1: Let's get ready to open our Bibles today. I want to bring you a message entitled True. And I, I want to do this from the book of Philippians, chapter number four. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true. That's the word we're trying to address today. Stay true to the Lord. Father, right now, I thank you for all the fun we've had. And I pray you're just going to open your word to us, that you would change us, Lord, from the inside out, that we would become believers who know who we are in you and nothing will ever change that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, in 1950, there was a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick who decided that some of the major goals that were being achieved in the sports world were not just something for men. And she declared that she was going to be the first woman who would do what so many had failed at, and that was to swim the English Channel. So this American woman, Florence Chadwick, gets up, goes to France, has prepared for an amazing journey. She jumps in the water, and she successfully becomes the first woman to swim across the English Channel. One year later, she decided that she wanted to go back, so she swam back across, becoming the first woman not only to cross, but to make it in both directions. Her next major swim, as she was preparing for one that ultimately would end in in failure, she would not be able to cross the Great Lakes to be the first one to do so. But her next major swim would take her off the coast of California, And she would be there beginning a swim that many have done. It's a 21-mile swim from Catalina Island to the west coast there. On July 4th, 1952, she began her 21-mile swim on a foggy morning. It was so out of character for that time of year that the fog was so thick that they said that she could not see past the reach of her own hand as she began to swim as she began to swim in that unbelievably strange weather, the, the water temperatures there are generally always so bone-chilling and cold that that's the fight was on from the very beginning. Finally, 15 hours later, 15 hours later, she looks and she resigns to the fact that she's not going to make it. She's surrounded by special boats that have been designed to keep the sharks away from her during her journey, and so she resigns and she looks up at her mother, who is her trainer, and says, Pull me into the boat. Her mom leans over and says to her, honey, you can make it, you can do this, don't give in, don't back up. But because she could not see the shoreline, because the fog that surrounded her was so deep, she decided she could no longer go on. And so they reach into the water, pull her up into the boat, and bring her to a different perspective. To which she gasped, and she says... If I could have just seen the shore, I might have made it. As she realized she was only one half mile from the shoreline. If she could have just seen the shore. She wasn't someone that was unprepared. She was someone that knew the task at hand. She knew what she was getting into. She knew the goals that were before her. And she stops one half mile short of her goal simply because she cannot see. Was she equipped? Well, she came back two months later when the weather was clear, and she not only finished it, but she set a speed record for the distance. The problem was she'd been fighting the waves. She'd been fighting the cold for so long that without a clear destination in sight, she could not find the strength to go on. She couldn't find the strength to stay true to her mission, to her course. You know, I think that's exactly where some of us find ourselves today. You're facing all kind of different challenges, and, and you've really got what it takes. So you know that you can win. You know that you can say no to the things that are trying to destroy you. You know that the temptations that are coming your way, you're equipped perfectly to defeat those things in your life. You're equipped to overcome. You're equipped to become all that God has created you to be. But the problem is life and all of its struggles and life and all of its problems, they have you so fogged in that you can't really see past your own hand. And you don't know if you can make it. Because you can't see forward, you have exchanged the joy of victory in Christ for the ability to simply survive. You're absolutely determined. I don't know how, but I'm going to make it. And you don't have a course for your life. You leave your life and your life of faith to the power of chance. You're determined to serve Christ, and for the most part, you're committed to that process. But somehow survival has replaced the act of serving Christ. You're just trying to actually make it. You just want to make it, but that's not what Christ called you to do. Christ has called you to be true and to be more than a conqueror, to be one who overcomes and possesses the promises of God. God wants you to realize that you just simply trying to to, to survive leaves your life to too much chance. God has not called you to be a person who leaves your life to chance. And I, I, think that, that, that we, because of the, that opportunity for chance, we, we never determine what's going to be coming our direction. We are just simply these, these battlegrounds where everything that faces us, we come up against and we realize, okay, well, here's another thing. Here's another problem. Here's another struggle. When we wake up every day thinking, okay, what's going to happen today that's going to set me back in my progress? We face struggles, we face problems, and we feel like they're all the results of some randomness that, that, that the universe just throws at us, that, that everything in our world is just chaotic and, and random. And I think that's the, the ultimate product of a, of a world that, that is silly enough to believe that somehow we just popped into existence out of randomness. There's absolutely nothing random about the world that we live in. Let me give you a couple of facts. Do you know that the earth revolves 366 times around the sun in one orbit? You should know that by the number of days in a year. But did you also know that the Earth is exactly 366% larger than the moon? The moon takes 27.32 days to orbit the Earth and is exactly 27.32% of the Earth's size. The moon is 400 times closer to the Earth than it is to the sun and is exactly 400 times smaller than the sun. As the moon turns, the speed of the lunar equator is precise, precisely 400 kilometers per hour. And I thought about it as I was reading through this. This is what I picked out, that there's nothing random about the way that our world has been put into place. There's nothing random about the, the precise mixtures that have to be in place to support life here on our earth. And the, the precise uh, things get a little out of whack one way, we're gone. Things get a little out of whack another way, we're gone. And yet we feel like our lives are full of this randomness. But I think the reason that our lives are full of randomness is because we have never really set a true course. We have never really made a decision that this is who we're going to be, this is what we're going to do, and this is where we're going to get. One of the core principles that I live my life by, seven core principles that I live my life by, one of them says I am determined to persist no matter what. And I don't know how many times in our lives we don't set a true course that says, I will persist no matter what. We'll say we'll persist, and we'll persist until we feel like we're justified enough to quit. We gave it our all. We ended up just short of it. We ended up just 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 a half a mile from our goal. But that's not what God's called us to be in our life. God has called us not to live as a people who are overcome by randomness, not to live as a people who are overcome by this, this 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 just, well, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? But that we're a people that we realize I may have to fight a battle, but the battle will be the enemy's obstacles that are trying to stop me from accomplishing what God has called me to do. And God has called all of us to do something great for him. See, all of us feel like maybe we're some kind of a a drone in an overall process, and that's what the world wants you to become. But God said, I want to give you a hope and a future that is above and beyond anything you could ask or even think. God wants to give you a, a joy that causes you to wake up in the morning and know that what you do today will matter in the span of life. That's what God created you for. Ultimately though we're all headed to the same destination. Somebody go, well, "What kind of church is this?" Yes, there's heaven and hell, but before we either end up in heaven and hell, we're all going to meet God. The Bible tells us that it is appointed unto all men once to die and then they meet the judgment of God. We will all encounter the Creator. I I encouraged some people just yesterday as we were, were, were walking with them through this painful time as they had lost someone they loved. And I was saying to them, look, we all have to be ready. We all have to be prepared because we're going to meet our Creator. And the question that will determine whether or not we're prepared or not is have we been true to our course? Have we been true to our purpose? Scripture gives us a picture of why so many times we float aimlessly and then shows us how to focus on the direction we must go so that we may be true. First Peter chapter number four and verse number two. This is kind of a lengthy passage of scripture and, and the middle portion of this has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon, but I just like it. So I'm going to read it. First Peter chapter four, verse number two says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires when we decide to be someone who is true when we decide to be someone who really, really has set their course and they're really going to serve God, we make a decision, we make a conscious decision to be true about it. We're no longer going to live our lives following our own desires. And how many times is every decision we've made this week a decision about whether or not we'll, we'll end up where we want to be, doing what we want to be doing, maybe retiring the way we want to retire. But I want you to know there's more to life than just trying to have all the fluff and frills of life. There is a hope and a peace and there is a joy in knowing that your life exists for a purpose and you're doing exactly what God created you to do. And I want you to realize it's not by accident you're here to hear this today. God is looking for you to rise up and say, you know what? We've wasted enough time. We've spent enough time on the things of this world. We've spent enough time on the struggles and the problems of this world. We've spent enough time allowing randomness to, to, to draw us to every little problem and every little distraction and say, you know what? I have determined to do what the Word of God says. I won't follow my own desires, but I will be anxious to find out what the will of God is and to do it. God, what do you want me to do in my life? And I didn't mean for this to come out majorly in the first service, but it did. But I, I just want to tell you what I told them. I said, we get all excited when we, we hear how, how a young person is going to become something that makes a lot of money. Or we hear how a young person is going to you know be moving forward and how they're going to be wealthy someday. But so many times we don't realize that the greatest joy we ought to have is when they find out what God called them to do. And they we find out that they are going to commit their lives for the purpose of sharing the love of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost and needs Jesus. There's more than what shows up in your bank account. What did I tell you last week? A lot of people look perfect, but they're really, if they're not broke, they're broken. Nothing wrong with being blessed. I want you to be blessed. Matter of fact, anybody want to be blessed? Lord, bless them in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, I should put both hands up and both feet. I want to be blessed. But why are we blessed? To be a blessing. We're blessed to be after Christ's purposes. And this is the part that doesn't have a whole lot to do with my sermon, but, but listen to it. You've had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Wow. Their immorality, their lust, their feasting, their drunkenness, and their wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Everybody ever been there? They were your best friend as long as you were buying. Then all of a sudden you changed. You're no fun anymore. You know what, though? This is what I began to realize in this verse. He said, look, you've had enough of that. We need to get to that place. We've had enough of that kind of life. We've had enough. We realize you've taken so much from me enemy. I'm not going to give you another day. You know what? I've also realized every day I've given to him is a day I regret. But every day I've given to him is a day that I can rejoice over because God gives me fulfillment. I've had enough of what the world has to offer. I've had enough of regret. I've had enough of shame. I've had enough of wondering about what happened yesterday because I was so busy following the stupidity of this life that I didn't focus on who I hurt and how bad it hurt. But I have found out there is a joy that comes through Christ that I can leave all of that behind. And though it may stain my hands with sin because of the blood of Christ, I can be forgiven, we can be forgiven, and we can say enough is enough. Now I'm going to serve Christ with my life. Amen. And this is how he says to do it. Are you ready for this? Because this is not the fun part. Are you ready? He says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Wow. That what we're talking to God about really matters to us. That what we're saying to God is more than just platitudes that we feel like we have to offer a good God so that he will, will somehow check off that we love him that we become so sincere. Look, the the power of religion will take you to hell. The power of faith and a relationship with Christ will not only take you to heaven, but it will change you now. That God, what we're saying to you is sincere. And I love what it says here. It's diligent. It's diligent in its fashion. In other words, it's not always going to be easy. But yet, we shake ourselves and we push forward for Christ. And every day, sometimes I was telling this in the earlier service, I don't know where this came from, but I was telling them about what my mom always says about me when I was growing up. She says, Don could take longer than anybody to put on a sock. <laughs> Are there anybody else who realize, or is there anyone else here today that realizes that, that sock meditation is a very good thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You sit down there, I wish you had a chair, but you just sit down there and, and you, you just kind of get... If anybody else your child freezes while they're putting their socks on? Yeah, brilliant mind, son, brilliant mind. Amen. Because somehow while you're putting your sock on, you solve the problems of the universe. Everything's done. But when that sock goes on your foot, somehow you forget, you know? It's like, sucks a life right out of your dreams, you know? But, uh, um... There's a reason I shared with you about my sock issue. <laughs> and the reason for that is sometimes you just kind of go numb thinking about everything that's awaiting you in the day. And there's times, I, the other day I was in, sitting in my, my prayer room, and when I get there, I'd like to tell you that man, I, when I walk in there, you know, I read this book by this guy one time, and he said that, that when he was in his prayer room that, that God showed up so, so manifest that his family couldn't walk by the door. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know? Dad must be praying, the back hall's glowing, yeah, you know? That'd be awesome. But instead, my daughter walked in, just walked right in while while I'm getting ready to pray, and and it was one of those mornings, there was so much on me. I'm just sitting there kind of mid-sock, you know? And the first thought that went through my mind is, my kids think I just go back here to get away from them, you know? And I just had so much pressure that I had not made it to my prayers, but I did make it to the Word. And I did make it to prayer because that's what the Scripture's about. So sometimes there's going to be a thousand things that try to distract you. Sometimes there's going to be problems and struggles that try to cause you not to, not to move forward and be faithful to Christ. But shake yourself and be determined that no matter what, every day you're going to talk to God. No matter what, every day you're going to take in from His Word. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what to read. Why don't you just read this chapter over and over again if you don't know where to go until next week, and I'll give you another one. Or Wednesday night, even better yet, we'll give you another one. Get started in it. Start moving forward together. And he said, not only do you need to every day be disciplined about the fact we're going to serve Christ today. See, I'm trying to tell you how to be true to Christ. Not to play games with church. Not to play games. I'm trying to tell you how to make it. Every day you have to serve God. Every single day. And the next thing he said, get this, this that's what he said. He said, most important of all, continue to show your deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. See, we hear that love covers a multitude of sins, but then we forget about that he says, now you need to show it to people. And here's the part that seems a little strange to me. He says, cheerfully share your home with those in need of a meal or a place to stay. So he says, don't only just say you love people, but do something about it. Open up what you have and do something about it. And I'm trying to hurry today. He says, God has given you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So let's talk about what it mean to be true to Christ? So in order to stay true to Christ, I realize that my commitment to finishing strong is found in my determination that even though I can't always see past the reach of my own hand, I must, and some of you that know the word of God knew this scripture was going to come out today, I must forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I must press on to reach the high calling of Christ. I love this version. It says to to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. That instead of just saying, oh, what's next? Oh, what's next? Oh, God, are you going to help me? We make a determination that we say, I don't know why I'm facing what I'm facing, but I am not backing down. I will, devil, you will not get me to raise my hand and curse God. I don't care how bad the struggle, because I will reach out to the God who loves me and he will deliver me from your hand, enemy. I will stand and I will see the salvation of the Lord. And I'm looking for somebody who will rise up in this generation generation and declare. Others may wax and wane, and the Bible may say in the last day, the love of many will grow cold, but the love of this house will serve God. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> that we will be true. That even though I can't see the end, it does not change the character that lies within me. That's true. Let's talk about that true. i just. Just a couple definitions, real quick. And I love the first one that they showed to be real. When something's true, if you're looking at something. Is, is that true? I mean, is, is, are you telling me what's real? Don't you always hate it when somebody's like like telling a joke or something and they're telling it as truth and, and you get all excited about it and you're, you're pumped up, you're ready, and, and, and then you just realize that they were just kidding? You're like, you had me sold, you know? They're telling me how how great something is. You're like, "Man, I'm, I'm I'm after that." And you find out it's a letdown. It was an exaggeration or even worse yet, it was really really bad, so they but they told you it was really really good, so you go and they can laugh at you when you realize how bad it was. You got friends like that? Yeah, you need new ones. But anyways, you know? They'll do that to you. Do this laugh. I got you. I mean, yeah. Some of you your name and friends right now. Lord, just deliver them in Jesus' name. But here's the problem in a world that sells us things with the right product placement, with the right packaging, sometimes we don't know what to believe or not. But in this case, it's not about what others are trying to do, it's about you. He said, Fine, therefore. My dear brothers and sisters, stay true. You be what's real. You be real in your faith. And it's not momentary. It's not fleeting. I want to just make something clear to you. You know, we joke about it. But when our churches came together and we created this church 20 years ago, a lot of people made this statement. Are you ready for this? It won't last six months. And I've told you that. Now, 20 years later... God's blessed us. But why would people say that? Why would people say, we'll make it? I mean, some people just want to be grumpy. Some people just want to be critical. They'll never make it. I've seen them try before. I've seen them do this before. But see, I don't really care what anybody else says. This verse says, I would that you brothers and sisters that you stay true, you be real with God. And other people may look at you because there are people that, I mean, I I know how to, I had one pastor come to me recently and he he used to attend church and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm sorry. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we examined every word you said and wondered what your motives were. He said, I can't talk to people anymore without them wondering what I want from them. And he said, I've realized that sometimes you just, you were just talking. Sometimes you were just sharing from your heart and we were looking for your motives. Now listen to me. Other people and their opinions of you looking for what, what you're trying to win right now. Are you trying to get out of a, of a probation deal by running to church? Are you trying to say, oh God, I'll go to church if you keep me out of prison? I mean, you know what I'm saying? What, what is it? People are going to look at you and say, what do you want from it? But sometimes you're going to have to make a decision. Listen to me. You're going to have to make a decision. It does not matter what anybody else thinks. What God has done inside of me was real. I'm not turning back. They may not go forward. But as for me, I got something real real and i truly was changed and i will serve god it's real it's real i'm gonna make it you think it's not discouraging when people you love fall to the wayside they can't change who you are their sin can't justify yours Okay, God, I'm serving you. You know, it's sort of like selling a car. They don't tell you that at 30,000 miles, this is going to happen at 40,000 miles on average, this is going to happen. They tell you how great it is right up front. I'm just going to tell you right now, when you serve in Christ, it'll be the best thing that you've ever done. But at the same time, the enemy's not going to like it. But he said, stay true. Be real. Be genuine. Make this thing who you are. Genuine. This is, This is not just a facade. This is the real thing. I love this one. He said, true means to be personally faithful. Can somebody call you a true friend? We had a a worship leader one time, and and as he was working here, he had a lot of connections with other churches, and and, and he didn't know I was coming up behind him in this conversation. And as I'm coming up behind him, I hear these friends of his that had come over for a special event, they looked at him and said, okay, give us the dirt on Pastor Don. That's what they said. It's like, he eats too much chocolate, but everybody knows that. But anyways, you know, oh, I hear him say, tell us what he's really like. And this guy had no clue I was coming behind him. And to be honest with you, his job was make or break right at that moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm coming up behind him, and he says this. He said, you know what? He said, no. Yeah, he gets a little upset sometimes, but what you see is what you get. Then he said this, and he said, And I love the fact that God has put us here. I thought, <laughs> your job was in you on it, now you just gotta raise. Amen. You know? This is awesome. And you know what I realized though? He was true. He was real. He he could have said whatever he wanted right then. He was true. Could God call you his true friend? Can, can God call you a true Christian? true. A personally faithful believer to God. Pastor Don, what if I made mistakes? That's the beauty of Christ. His mercies are new every morning. And if you failed yesterday, make a decision today will be different. Committed. To be true is committed. The definition, not mine, I got these from the dictionary. To be true it means that you are conforming to the standard, a building a building term. When they look at it and say, is this built true? Is it, if the wall is true, it's conformed perfectly to the standard. The angles are right. Everything is, is in plumb. It is true. Conform to the standard. What are you supposed to do with your life the world tells you you're gonna fail you're gonna struggle you're gonna have problems and you know what you are but that does not give us an excuse we should be determined that we are going to be true to christ and that means that our life begins to compare to the standard he left for us and here's what i want to address there if there's sin in your life that you accept that's keeping you from being true See, some of us, we, we, we know we can't do that anymore, but okay, God, I gave that up. You'll let me keep this. And God says, I want you to be true. I want you to follow me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. True to the purposes of Christ. And here's the last definition. In tune. To be true is to be in tune. Hmm. And this is the best example the Lord gave me earlier. How, how many of you realize our children nowadays have it have it really well with satellites and cable, because when we were kids, we were the antenna. <laughs> right in the middle of the World Series, you know how it is. And so, what, you, what does your dad do? <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> he's ready. He's watching. They're about to hit, and you're up there going, you know, and, you know. How many of you ever had aluminum fall that went all the way to the window? Yeah. And what did you do? You moved and you moved, you held your tongue a certain way until you got an acceptable amount of fudge so they could see. It wasn't in tune, but it was enough. To be true means the picture is crystal clear. And I think some of us, we're trying to play this game with the world, and we're bending every which way, trying to hold on to yesterday, trying to hold on to sin, and trying to be what God wants us to be. And we're not crystal clear. And what we have to do today is make a decision. I have settled this fact. As for me, dear brothers and sisters, I invite you to join me, that nothing else is going to change us. We may have up days. We may have down days. We may face battles. We may be blessed. But no matter what, we will serve God together. And we will be true to him. And all that we are, bow your heads with me in this place today. Have you say, Pastor Don, I want to be true to Christ in my life. Can I see your hand? I want to be true. Thank you. Overwhelming majority of you here today, I want to be true. And maybe there's some of you here today that would say, Pastor Don, I've never really given my life to Christ. And Maybe i played games with God. Maybe I've I have even prayed a prayer or two, but never really surrendered to Christ. My life's out of tune. I've been playing that game of trying to get it all balanced out too long. Maybe you're here today and you've never even really taken the opportunity to serve Christ. Some of you, you've tried, but you've not served Christ. And you say today, I'm going to make a determination. That I'm going to give my life wholly to Christ. And right now, I'm going to be real clear about this. If you've never really given your life to Christ and you're willing to take this challenge and realize that what I'm offering you is the hope of God that you can find the peace you've looked for, the joy that has eluded you, you can find that love of God by surrendering to Christ, confessing your sins to Him and Him alone, believing in God that He raised Him from the dead, calling Him your Lord. That's you today. You say, Pastor Don, either for the first time or as a point of recommitting my life, I want to serve Christ. I'm not going to call you to this altar. Right there, right where you are. I just want you to be bold enough to put your hand up as high in the air as you can right now. I'm going to serve Christ. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Literally, hands all over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to serve Christ. You can put those down. Is there anybody else who would say, I feel like a failure. I've tried so many times. But this time, I will serve God. Anybody else today, in Jesus' name, I'm going to be true. All right, if you're comfortable with this, if you're not, I understand completely. Would you join hands with somebody next to you? And we're going to pray a prayer with these. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our hearts upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. So we're going to pray this prayer of faith together. There's been several that have responded this morning. My heart rejoices in the Lord. But let's pray together a prayer of faith. Jesus, right now, I believe your word. And I believe that as I confess my sins, you will forgive me. Father, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. Look into my life. See the good and the bad. Forgive me cleanse me I give you my all I do this in faith I believe that right now I'm changing in Jesus name God is my father heaven is my home I will serve Christ with all that I am I will never be the same Father, now I pray for each one of these that have prayed that prayer for the first time today or those that are making a point of recommitment. Your word says that as they confess their faith in you, as they have received this gospel message that Christ came, he died for us and he rose for us. We believe, Lord, that that power that raised him from the grave now changes them, changes who they are, that they're not a made-over copy of who they were, but they are a new creation in Christ. Lord, that this is the day they are born again into faith Christ. Lord, change them. Change them every day. And Lord, now I pray for everybody else in here that would raise their hand with me and say, Lord, help me be true. Help me be real. Help me be conformed to the standard. Don't let me accept what's not in tune and let me pursue you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise for what he's done. God is good. Amen.